0: you know if you're if you're gonna do the thing then do the thing with your whole self with your whole focus uh, and without hang-ups on performance if something funny happens laugh you know Uh, which we have done (laughs) many a time (laughs) and you know but otherwise like just be all in like I feel like it's a it's the most contemplative meditative part of a relationship is mutual expression of sexuality.
1: You're listening to Out of Line with Caroline Lee, exploring offline realities with online personalities. Jenny McCarg is the talented and hilarious heart and backbone of her household, as well as being a devoted wife and mother. Mike McCarg, better known as Science Mike, is an author, podcaster, and speaker who travels the world helping people understand the science of life's most profound experiences. He's known most for his work on the Liturgist podcast, as well as his own podcast, Ask Science Mike. Jenny and Mike have been together for 20 years. They grew up in Tallahassee, Florida, and moved to Los Angeles just last year with their two daughters, Madison and Macy. They came over to my place to record our chat on Southern patriarchy, bodies, sex, and so much more.
2: But I think a lot of it is also like growing up um, in an environment of, you know, a conservative fundamental background uh, that there's just, there's just shame. And like, we don't see it as shame when we're growing up in it, but, and it's, and it's still me having that shame for whatever the things may be. You know, they can be like, out here being in L.A. in this environment, it's nothing, you know, like I really shouldn't have any shame for anything in my <laughs> life. But it's still always of what would people think? Yeah. Because that's what I grew up with. Like you grow up in that environment. Like what would people think? Yeah. Things like when we get together as friends and we're just talking because we're all truthful, all honest. And they are that I'm so much more open with everything about mm-hmm. our life. Not that we're... L- Living a secret life, but yep. it's there's no shame, there's no judgment, yeah. And I know that. And but growing up, there's always shame and judgment, and part of it is because I grew up judging, mm-hmm. you know, judging other, <laughs> just <laughs> to judging. be real, yeah. yeah. I grew up judging, yeah. so Um, so that's like a whole new thing for me, like not judging and trying not to have shame, um, mainly with
1: myself. Mm. You know, but yeah, then. that's a really interesting thing about, about judgment. And it's sort of like, because I'm very judgmental. I'm going to be honest, I am. Really? Uh huh. Okay. Uh-huh. okay. 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 <laughs> I'm very, very judgmental. Um, but being, being more and more aware of it. And, but then the thing that I find is that I judge other people, but I also like really judge myself a lot. Um, do you find that you judge yourself, or is it more just like other people focused and not on yourself? Um, I think
2: I do judge myself because I'm judging it against the criteria of what I'm judging other people. So that's why there's a lot of shame. You know, it's the, it's the, well, I'm looking at that person. They don't need to be wearing that. So I definitely shouldn't be out there wearing things that, you know, make me feel or that will show it all, you Mm -hmm. know, or whatever. I'm Mm -hmm. real conscious about that or what I'm saying, you know. Um, so I do think, I think it's that the reason I'm judging so harshly is because I'm also judging me, Mm. but I don't think I'm doing that as much anymore. I think like living here, it actually has created a different atmosphere of like, You know, I felt so like when we moved here, like, how am I going to fit into L.A.?
1: Yeah.
2: Um, So like my insecurities about the way I look, about my weight, about my fashion or lack thereof, you know, um, all of those things, those were the things that I was fearful of moving here because this is LA it's supposed to be you know Hollywood and so you think about these these beautiful bodies and thin bodies and and uh, the fashion and the clothes and everybody's just so stylish and it's like how am I gonna fit in with that um and like all right re- and being a little bit you know uh that that was something that I was like nervous about um And so then I realized after being here and seeing people, you know, that there's all kinds of people that live here in L.A. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not just celebrities. I mean, it's everybody. And you can wear whatever you want in L.A. um, because you're really not going to be the strangest or weirdest one out there, you know? (laughs) I mean, there's going to be somebody else that's going to have something on that's way more weird than what you would have thought what you had on was Mm -hmm. weird. So I think I've been a lot better about that, not judging. I'm not judging others, and I'm, I'm trying not to judge myself. I'm trying to get more okay with who I am and the way I look, what I wear, you know?
1: Um okay, so I want to hear your thoughts on that uh what and what Jenny said about about kind of living here and getting over judgment and when you're around weirdness, kind of like easing up on yourself
0: Oh gosh, well, I eased up on myself a long time ago um, so I have far too much confidence in myself and my body, as you know um <laughs>
1: I love
0: that you're nodding. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like yes. I'm, I'm real fine with my body. <laughs> he is. I need to be less fine with it so that I don't die in ten years from heart disease or something. But like I, I, and I do agree. Like you're less judgy of yourself than you used to be, but you're still mm-hmm. super judgy of yourself, to the point that like I have spent twenty plus years professing. My utter and sincere belief that you're gorgeous and it just like deflects off because your judge mm-hmm. goes, nah, he's lying or he's mistaken. Um, and like I think like. People's attraction is subjective, but I think like objectively. <laughs> like on a set of criteria, you're a very attractive person. Forget your wonderful personality for a moment. Or uh, exceptionally luscious Georgia Bell accent. Oh, I so,
1: wasn't sure where that was gonna no, go no, like, no either. I,
0: <laughs> I, I, <laughs> that was a, that or was luscious. on purpose. Oh, okay, also I was like, true. Oh, oh, oh no, I just mean like you're pretty. You have an attractive face. You have gorgeous eyes. You frame it well and fashionably with those Warby Parkers. Mm. You know what I mean? The way you do your hair is nice. You wear clothes that fit your figure and are flattering and far trendier than my gray and black t-shirts and so it's like always really frustrating to me the way that like you can't see yourself as you are that it's like buried under all these layers of patriarchy and southern culture and and like you were taught to judge other people and to judge yourself that's not a story you gave yourself and so like i like watching it like slowly unfurl but I'd like to see it unfurl like a parachute, like mm-hmm. much faster, so that you could like just start accepting yourself. Like if, I, I feel like if you could see yourself like a quarter as well or fondly as I see you, like that'd be a tremendously liberating experience for you as a person. Um, so I, you know, I, I, uh, and that's the other thing. Like you, kind of being a behind the scenes. I think of the two of us, you're actually the more interesting. And when we like when we get to know new groups of people, I'm usually the lead. Uh, but then it doesn't take long until people are like, "Mike, who?
1: Yeah, you know what I mean." <laughs> like- <laughs> well, Jenny's definitely the funnier one. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's what
0: I mean. So like, it just but like the the thing that always gets me is the degree to which you're not able to see that.
1: Mm. Yeah. What is Southern patriarchy like? is it different than the rest of America patriarchy or the rest of the world patriarchy? Um, Southern patriarchy is when you come
2: out of your room and you're dressed for the day and you ask, how does this look? And the comment is, you need to put your hair up or what about some lipstick? Or, um, you know, that's Southern patriarchy to me. Um, I have, you know, and in... My family and extended family, a lot of focus was always on weight, like, and it was also about if you weren't thin or if you weren't like maintaining a a nice figure, mm. then your husband is not going to stay around, you mm. know, kind of thing that it was, you know, you had to, and, and you need to make yourself look good. You need to have your, put makeup on, do your hair, mm. um, And as much as like I love my love my grandmother and how close I was to her and I lived in with them in college, but I would come out with an outfit that I would think because I actually lost a lot of weight when I was first in college and I felt so good about myself. But then, you know, there's an issue when you can lose weight and you're thin and you're the thinnest you've ever been, but you always still see don't see yourself like you know, mm-hmm. um, like that, that you're, you're great, you know, and you can always still say, oh, I just need to lose more or it's, I still don't look how I want to look, but I would come out with something like great on and it was always like, Are you can put some lipstick on? And so, and I knew she thought I was cute and everything, but it, it's just those little things. And I wonder if over like years time, um, you know, dealing with that like if that embeds in our mind like okay it's a certain look that we are trying to adhere to or maintain or reach for Mm -hmm. um that's not our true selves you know and so I don't know if that is southern patriarchy or if that's like just patriarchy in general but as far as being you know your best for the man yeah um Yeah, and it's
0: explicit. It's like out there.
1: Yeah. And it's kind of like never, never quite good enough. I I, what you were talking about made me think of. Um, so my middle name is named after one of my parents friends and um, they lived in Alabama and then she married someone from Georgia and she's like Southern girl, but had like the most intense eating disorder, like almost died a couple of times. And it was, when I talked to her about it, it was very much like this Southern, like you're never quite good enough. Like there's always, there's always a little bit of growing opportunity for you or like you can improve just the extra five pounds or like Mm -hmm. just that hair or just that lipstick. Um, And so I think for me, I've only lived in LA for like five and a bit years, but I, I just like walked into this city and was like, oh, finally, this Mm -hmm. is. Like I can breathe, I can just like do whatever I want. Cause like you said, when you go out and you're either dressed really not cool, air quotes cool, or just like, you know, just schlepping your way through the day, Mm -hmm. um, no one cares. No one, literally no No one cares. No one cares. And that's the thing that I think is so freeing because really we shouldn't care. Like there's so much more to care about in life than like, did you see what she's wearing or like, Jenny wasn't wearing lipstick at church today. Oh, my God.
0: <laughs>
1: She's really just taking it down a few levels. She's letting herself go to seed. Like, that is what people say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is – I'm like, literally, go live your best life and stop thinking about someone else's lip color on a freaking Sunday. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Okay.
2: I'm getting mm.
1: fired up. Mm. Well, but I know
2: what you mean. Like there's been a lot of times I don't wear makeup. Like I'll go down to the grocery store and not wear makeup because, well, the other thing is there's a little bit of anonymity here because I don't know a whole lot of people still, you know, I mean, there's way more people. So you're not going to just run into, you know, every time I would go to the grocery store in Tallahassee, I've always, I'm always running into somebody I know. Yeah. So that doesn't happen here. So I'm way more apt to not even worry about, makeup at all and just you know go on out the door um the one thing that you know talking about how we feel about ourselves and judgment and stuff like that like you know i kind of looked at moving to la as also a way to kind of start over and and improve myself like that's how i originally thought when coming here like this is a way to like i'm gonna like improve my style and i'm gonna you know no telling what my hair is going to look like now i'm going to get it cool do um you know i'm already talking about marking the year anniversary with some either a piercing of some type or a tattoo um <laughs> you know i'm so going to be there for whatever it is so but you know and it's also like you know what w- different things that I'm, I'm going to pierce my dick oh, oh my god Right. Now right.
1: we're going down a
2: different route. Okay. Oh, this will right. take us it a different happened. route. It
1: happened. We're going there. Um, I think that's called the Prince Albert.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I don't... I I know you in your pain threshold. I really don't <laughs> see that. Oh, it's that. a joke. I Yeah. I don't see that going well for joke. you at
0: all. I wouldn't pierce my fingernail. Oh. I know. Just no no pain. No pain. But it was hilarious in the moment. It was, it was
2: hilarious funny. in the moment. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so... Uh, I've tried to have a little bit more acceptance of myself here. I realize, you know, especially with our group of friends and who we, um, are around who are always encouraging no matter what. Um, and there's no judgment there. Uh, the judgment is really me on myself. Uh, mm. I, at the age I am, I want to be healthy for my kids. Mm. So that's one thing we have now. We just Joined the Y and have a family membership, so we can become because we are not active. We're not active people. Um, what? Aside from being sexually You're active, saying I'm not active. <laughs> there's only so many calories you can burn. I have on a step that, counter no.
0: right here. It's been a very. I've, looked,
2: I've tried to say like, can this count? Can I hit all my move rings in this day? <laughs>
0: Now, I've had a very active day today as I left the house. Okay. So I've gone 1,218 steps for a total distance of 0.62 miles. You're telling me that's not active? I mean... It's more than zero.
1: It is much higher than zero. (laughs) It is. It is. is. We're
2: more active here than we were there. But yeah, so I do think that my, my judgment it's coming around i still do think that like even like on this podcast as we were talking before about what are we going to talk about there's still things that pop up for me like do we
1: really do i really want people to know this
2: do i really want people to know that what will they think what will they think you know yeah so so what's um, the
1: worst that could happen if someone hears something about you that they disagree with what's the worst that could happen Mm.
2: Mm, nothing Really? I mean, there's nothing that can happen. I mean, I love my folks. They're not going to listen to, to the podcast, I don't think. So I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's it. It's like, who do They're I want to find ones. out about things? Yeah. You know?
0: I mean, you've never my listened to my podcast.
2: Lifestyle. Yeah, that's right. So I don't that's listen possible. I do not listen to Mike's podcasts. And so Ever, not any of them? No. Nope.
0: Never not any of them. So no,
2: that's you have the no running idea joke. <laughs> that is the running joke that Jenny does not listen to Ask Science Mike
0: or the liturgists. Or yeah. any interviews I do. Or any interviews. Or any
1: is that like a intentional decision so that you don't know what's out there about him or you? Or it's, is it just like
2: It's not intentional. It's, but it is a that's probably a good safe thing probably you know maybe best just not to know
0: she gets tired of me talking just in the home yeah much less like <laughs> listening to me monologue recorded
2: I mean I mean if it's not involving me I'm not really there well
1: I'll
0: come go- back from tour and something will <laughs> happen and I'll start pontificating and she'll go science Mike doesn't live here <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Like, you're, you're just like... Turn it off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's interesting, though, <laughs> Go because, put the kids to bed. <laughs> well, when you're married and you have, like, marriage to deal with, that's one thing. Like, some people can't even say married to, t- like, you know, one right. person staying married to one person. Then you've got two kids. Some people can't stay married and have kids together. That's another level. But then, like, having public figure and at-home life, I mean, I, I... I don't have that but I don't I can't imagine it would be fun. I mean it, it wouldn't be fun to be like dealing with the this is what you're putting out there and I'm going to consume it like one of your you know, French girls. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice.
1: Yeah. Well, I just called your your fans your French girls.
0: Podcast me like one of your French girls. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, the thing
2: for me also is there is a bit of like I get really upset if like there's any kind of criticism though mm. too, mm. so I mean, doesn't matter where where it's coming from if it's like justified or anything. It's like, wait a minute, what? yeah, so like i that's why I'm not on social media, like not on Twitter um that's why like I refrain from reading any comments of anything or. Or um, maybe that's why I also don't listen, because then I can also just turn, you know, be not even aware of what's happening or what has he said that might spark some kind of, you know, (laughs) critique and and some some angry folks out there. So um, because I don't do well with that because I'm protective um, you want to kill very somebody. Yes.
1: Protected.
0: <laughs> yes. But you
1: know, you're a good person to have on your team. Exactly. Yeah. I feel pretty lucky to have you <laughs> on my team because if I ever needed to be protected, I'd call you. Mm-hmm. That is for darn sure. So, what about what's it like to raise daughters in the South and Ugh. have them hit like almost high school age and then mm-hmm. move them to LA? What's that like? What's it like to deal with judgment for them or around them or about them? What's it like to try to talk to to teenage girls about body image? What's it? I mean, tell me everything. Mm. What's that like? Um, I feel like we actually,
2: we got it pretty easy in some ways, I think. Because I think early on, even living in the south even you know all the things that come with that or whatever um the body image things and stuff we tried early on we i didn't we didn't want our kids to have same kind of stigmas about things that we had growing up shame um their thoughts about their body uh even about sex and everything so and we also have like you know everybody thinks their kids are great but our kids they're really great (laughs) you know they actually we have like an open dialogue Policy, You know, they know from an early age, they've known that they can come to us with whatever question they have. Um, And both they're they're two different people. Mm -hmm. So they approach subjects differently, you know, and we do handle it differently with both of them. It's not like just a, you know, this is the way we're going to talk about it. So this is what we talk about. And we also so that's how we approach it, you know, um, uh, our oldest has a very scientific mind, and where does she get that from? I don't so, know. I tend to give if she comes to me with a question, I'm like, Oh, maybe save that one for your dad. And that's another thing. They have a father who, um, like when we were growing up, dads, as much as you know, we I love my father, my dad, because I was a girl, that automatically meant dad. He was out on any kind of talk of body image, any kind of talk of anything that dealt with me being a woman, you know, mm-hmm. and everything mm-hmm. and all my body changes and sex and everything like that. Dad was out. Oh, yeah. Um, so that's different in in our household. Whereas
0: I drew a diagram of a woman's vulva and was sure to point out where the clitoris was because that's a necessary part of pleasure for women. The slightly so different bad. approaches. Right. I'm
1: so glad that you did that. Because, I mean, I, you guys know, the other day I texted my siblings and said, what, what did, did we call a vagina growing up in my home? Because I just don't think we talked about it. Apparently we didn't talk about it because no one has any memory of it ever being talked yeah. about. Hmm. So that's amazing, as a side note. Right. And, other side note, it's kind of like, dads and, and like, especially patriarchal dads and women and fem like dealing with feminine bodies and energy and all that i mean you you talking about people giving you comments about things um two memories that stand out for me with my dad one was i think i was 11 and my mom gave me her old mascara it was like dried out it was dried out it was like not used it was just, like, old. And she was like, you can use this to brush your eyelashes. And I was, like, so excited about it. <laughs> and so I brushed my eyelashes, like, as much as I could to try to get some color on them. Because I right. was like, come on, get some mascara out. And I remember going to church with my brushed eyelashes. And I remember my dad saying that he, it, when he thought of me, he thought that it looked a lot like a prostitute. And I was—I remember literally, like, I remember going into my room and crying and being like, mm. wow. First of all, wow. Second of all, like, where's the conversation in this? Where's yeah. the, like, dialogue? Where's the anything? It was just, like, bad. And I remember so many times, you know, putting something on and then my dad being like, you know, the way that you're dressed. Like, men are just going to look at you all day and just think about sex. And I was just like, wow. Like, is that what men are like? But that is, I think, such an old way of just separating. Like, men are like this, women are like this, and the fact is that they're just not. So, how do you talk to how do you talk to your girls about stuff now? And I mean, I'm obviously you get very uh, biological about it, which is amazing. Um, but how, like, if your girls came home and said, like, "Hey, I um, I'm like dating someone." would you be like cool great and if they were like you know i want to i want to talk about all this stuff that is in our old like growing up years would have been taboo or not okay like how do you how do you prepare for something like that when Mm. you're a parent
0: i see the eyes move this way i've been trying to let you have first swing and everything since i get to talk in my calls all the time
2: i'll be honest i know but here's the thing i probably if my kids came in i'd be like Say, all right, let's wait till dad's at a spot where he can participate in this conversation. Uh huh. Um, first off, ours are still like our oldest, she's 13,
0: and i plenty old to be sexually active.
2: She is plenty old that's to true. be sexually active, but she the is even Mary was like, like 12, you guys. That's not yeah. even on her radar, so like that. I would. There would be things leading up to that from her. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like there would be like people out there. I mean, she, even though like we don't, we don't like profess abstinence. We're not that, we're not that, you know, but at the same time, she is one that truly takes the, that it's going to be somebody that I love. And I recognize that I am a teenager and my body is changing and I have, hormones that are making my emotions go up and down, up and down. And I'm not ready for such a thing. She on her own recognizes that. But that's because of just that's who she is, you know. Um, Our younger one, I don't know (laughs) about how she would be with that. Um, She's more definitely like what feels good. Embodied. Embodied, yeah. Um, so (laughs) again, we'd handle it like differently with her, but I, again, we're like so open. Um, once they hit like middle school, like I've had our oldest, I've told her, you know, you need come and tell me if there's any questions of things you're hearing in middle school. Like what's, I said, we can talk. I'm all for talking. Uh, she's also still at an age though, where like, if I talk about Certain things, or try to say something, she's like, Oh, mom, that's gross, you know. Because <laughs> in her mind, she's thinking, Mom and dad, gross. So,
0: but um, mom and dad is not gross, it's, it's not. not gross. That's but, the means by, and I've told them this that's the means by which they exist. That's true. So, <laughs> like, I understand the like social taboo against us having sexuality as parents, but I also think that's a patriarchal institution designed to engender shame in children about sexuality. And so I actively want to subvert that. I actively, when I see a dress code that has gender-specific implications, allow myself to get angry in front of my children so they can understand a social context that seems normal and expected is destructive and oppressive. Like, on what circumstances are women's shoulders less appropriate for public display than men's? Absolutely none. It's fucking ridiculous, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so as we, like, talk about sexuality, and we talk about body image these things are deeply entwined so the one thing i'm always trying to have the children understand their girls their pleasure matters their physical sensations matter their autonomy and their control matter so when we talk i talked to the girls about sex i want to make sure like make sure it's something you're wanting and not something you're doing for a man's approval or a woman's mm-hmm. i try not to make heteronormative assumptions about my children um Make sure that uh, when you engage in sexual activity you understand that there's one story from conservative religious people that all sex is naughty and disgusting and evil unless it's in marriage and then that marriage is appropriate when you're a submissive wife and a piece of property, gross, but also there's another narrative that like anything involving a condom and consent is safe and that's also not true scientifically so I know like people get tired of me talking about biology But that's actually really relevant in sex and sexuality, the degree to which not every potential complication from sex can be prevented by a condom. There's sexually transmitted infections that involve scrotum to labia contact or hand to labia or hand to scrotum contact. And so I want my children to understand that sex exists on a continuum of safety but is never absolutely safe and therefore must be handled cautiously and reverently. Um, But that I would never shame them. So what we've tried to set up in our home is an open dialogue for conversation. But I always look for moments by which, in my behavior, literally as their patriarch, their father, to subvert patriarchal assumptions about women's, women's bodies, women's body autonomy.
1: Oof. Speaking of bodies...
0: (laughs) Jenny's, Jenny's famous phrase, as you've heard, is, is this going to be a naked party? <laughs> Just as her deepest and, fear and is how, naked parties. It always turns into one when I think
2: it's going <laughs> <laughs> to oh be. I tend to be very right on these, yeah, you know, yeah. and he's always the first
1: one to. Take it get off, naked. Well,
0: dear public. Well, I don't like clothing.
1: Well, same. So now, now, we know. Same. See, I'm, I'm serious. I'm serious. I don't think we're meant to.
0: No, it yeah. sucks of being a man and hating clothing. Yeah. Because like, what I'm always afraid of is the relationship between male nudity and predatory and coercive behavior.
1: Yeah, creepy people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. I mean, we're I'm waiting for us to evolve. As a people, maybe just after our lifetimes, they'll if be ready. We,
0: if we get rid, if we prosecute to the extent possible in the law all the sexual predators and justice is served, that will help.
1: That will help, yeah. So then well, I mean, I don't think that Burning Man is for you necessarily, just because of the elements. But I will say that my greatest joy is riding my bike and then seeing a very, very old man with a huge white beard start naked, everywhere. just totally naked, riding his bike, and I'm always like, "Oh, I'm so happy."
0: You, you should be like.
1: I am so hmm. happy. I just.
0: It seems like the people who aren't hung up on clothes are also the people who aren't hung up on what other people are wearing or wanting to possess their bodies. If you're comfortable enough with yourself that really clothing is optional, mm-hmm. then you're like you're not worried about other people's bodies or what they're doing. You're like in this grounded place. Yeah. That's hard to get to.
1: It is. And I think it's it's one of those things that is a uh, process and a journey like it's kind of like a, a muscle that needs to be kind of worked in a sense mm-hmm. because I think from like, I, I didn't always have the comfortability that I have now, but I think it is things like putting myself in uncomfortable situations, like going to the Korean spa with a ton of naked bodies that are all different shapes and sizes and colors and different, different body hair or no body hair. And, you know, just all the different things and seeing people just like being themselves in their skin, literally, um, and then realizing that they're not all just, like, staring at me because... Maybe we got to go to a Korean spa. You do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's so good. That's it's two-year anniversary <gasps>
1: of living in L.A. <laughs>
0: two-year anniversary. I'll hold you to that.
1: Okay. Yeah. We're, like, we're, like, 13 months away. <laughs> I'm starting a countdown it's calendar. so good. That's would, my favorite place. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. And it's just so, like, literally no one even looks at you for, like... An eighth of a second because they're all just there thinking about their own like they're looking down at their leg, going, Oh, that blue vein is kinda ugly in my white ass leg. And then there's like someone else going, like, oh, my knees are too big, or like what everyone's in their own insecurities. No one's no one literally looks at you for more than like 0. .2 seconds.
0: Everyone but me. No, and but I just I'll walk be looking at head them. High <laughs> going, This is glorious. Why are we like this all the time?
1: Well, I'm waiting. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. He's already
2: been several times since we've been here. I love
0: well,
1: it. I'm just ready for, like, living in a nudist colony, but that's probably just me. Cheers. Cheers to nudist colonies. Um, See? It turned, always goes to... Goes nature. to a naked party. <laughs> <Always> <laughs> <to> <laughs> naked you part. source <laughs> this. You source this because you're, like, it's, like, the thing that you're, like, afraid of that keeps going, Jenny. Jenny. <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> um, but I know that you you're not, you're like a very sexual person. So I don't know why I don't know where that. I mean, I guess. Where's that line between, like... It's like, like what, what do they... Like, the, the ones that you never think about, they're the freaks. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they're the sexual freaks. Like, the I mean, ones that seem to be on the outside. Yeah. I'm That's more comfortable, comfortable
0: with nudity, but she's definitely more comfortable with sexuality. So
2: where
1: does that come from? Where did you get your comfort in sexuality?
2: I don't know, because it's not like... Mike's been my one and only. and mm. it, And so it's not like there's been, like, a... I don't know. And how many I years have you
1: guys been together?
2: We'll be 18 in December. That's married.
0: We married.
1: 20, that. 20 years guys. together. So...
0: Oh, geez.
1: Yeah, that's, that's for <laughs> real. And you're... Okay, so were you always... Were you always, like, ready to roll? Or was there an element of what the hell at the beginning?
0: So... I don't do you, know. What do you think? She told me she was a virgin. And the first time... We engaged in such acts. I was incredulous. Like, she was not my first, I hate to admit it. She was not my first.
1: There's no shame but here to say that.
0: Only for, I oh, hate to sorry. admit it for her sake. Oh, sorry. Uh, but I was like, Good.
2: You sure you haven't done
0: this before? You sh- yeah, that's <laughs> definitely the best that's ever happened.
1: Wow, so where did you learn about that?
2: Cosmo? Oh.
0: <laughs> Blow his mind put a hairdryer in his anus.
1: <laughs> do you still do you still read Cosmo? No, no, I don't need to. Oh, you could write it, Queen.
0: Oh she my god, you could write it.
2: But I did have a stack at the very beginning like I would, you know, they had some good tips in there, No you know? way. And then I had a really good friend in college. That we did not practice on each other or anything, but we had some visual aids that we used, and she taught me a few basics of some things.
1: Some visual aids? Like, what are we talking about? Like a cordless
0: telephone as a a proxy for a man's penis. (laughs) I just want to make it explicit.
1: Not even a banana
0: which i'm sure when she saw the genuine article was deeply disappointed after yeah. the girth of a wow. a 90s cordless telephone. <laughs> wow.
1: Wow. So wait, was your where, your friend new stuff and decided yeah, to share? Yeah, yeah. Well, That's I a remember good I remember
2: asking her. I was a college friend. Yeah. And I remember asking her. I was like, "So, I need some pointers." <laughs> um, so yeah. <laughs>
0: You didn't need <laughs> any pointers. But
2: yeah, so uh, I just kind of, you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it would have been the same had I done that with somebody else beforehand. I don't know if it's that, you know, nope. I just love him so much or whatever. And I am want to please him and I'm pleased in the act of pleasing him and vice versa or whatever, you know. So, you know, I'm pretty open to whatever happens you know
0: more open than I am yeah <laughs> like we you know we've had
2: talks about okay you know i am being like well if you're interested in that if that interests you then you know I don't mind trying you know my you kink, just
0: put it
1: out there my just, kink
0: is what What if yeah. you took your clothes off
1: <laughs> and we were close
0: to each other that's my kink that's all I need that's it just every time Jenny takes her clothes off I have a the same mix of excitement and gratitude every single time. (laughs) This is happening again. (laughs) 18 years of sexual excitement, I think comes down to a single word, enthusiasm. There's nothing as alluring as enthusiasm.
1: As in with your partner like, as in her enthusiasm, your enthusiasm, just enthusiasm in general. Yes. What, is that?
0: what does that mean? Enthusiasm in general. Like I, I've never felt like things were happening out of a sense of obligation. Oh no, right. I've never felt you know, if you're, if you're gonna do the thing,, mm. then do the thing. Mm. With your whole self, with your whole focus uh, and without hangups on performance if something funny happens laugh
2: mm.
0: you know uh, which we have done <laughs> many a time
2: before.
0: and you know but otherwise like just be all in like i feel like it's a it's the most contemplative meditative part of a relationship mm. is mutual expression of sexuality which in accommodation to my friends who are asexual, I understand is limiting the spectrum of human experiences. But in the context of my life and my story, that's the most most contemplative part of marriage.
1: Hmm. So I want to. I just want to. Now I'm like, all right. Well, I think that's going to be like what like, are, what the episode like, is about. Like we're going a different <laughs> route, right? Now that right, no, one drinking? Where <laughs> is
2: Jade Z pants to make me another?
1: <laughs> Jaden, come
2: back! I now. know, Jaden.
1: Why did you leave? So being with the same person for twenty years—that's like unheard of, really. I mean, it's a thing, but especially even in terms of like, I've even heard you, Science Mike, talk about mammals and how like they max out at like eighteen years ish, usually. What is it, twelve to eighteen? That our they're primates. Yeah, yeah, our primate selves, twelve to eighteen years. Mm-hmm. So, how do you make a relationship work for? 20 years and how do you continue to make it work past 20 years also what how has sex changed in those 20 years are we are, am I? no keep am I- going
0: <laughs> keep going she's having fun oh okay good i think bruce has joined us <laughs> for the conversation
1: okay bruce you're welcome here <laughs> um bruce is jenny when she's had a few but yes, she's had one. one. But I think I'm wondering Empty if... stomach if- one. I think Jade
2: Z put a little bit extra in mine because he knew this was going to be something to get through.
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love Jaded, you. Jaded, where are you? Jaded, Give me another we need you. Oh, my gosh. Um. Yeah. I want to know about that. I want to know. How do you... First of all, literally, how do you stay together for that long?
2: Okay. So, in the beginning, it's hot and heavy because it's you're newly married, especially me being a virgin... We did it before we were married. I mean, that's no joke. I mean, that or that's no secret. I mean, we, we were incredibly irresponsible, though, because me being the good little Baptist girl wasn't even on the pill because so it was always uh, like trying to time it just right or whatever. And it wasn't even like, you know. Gonna like we were worried. Cannot be get pregnant. Cannot get pregnant. Um, just so that you would know,
0: I've never said that publicly. Just because I thought it would upset you.
2: No, but I will. I've said. I've said it. I've said, a, I know, it. It. I've said it now. in. Mean. I don't feel ashamed of that. I no. mean, I really don't. I don't feel ashamed of that at all. And you're not um, alone in that reality. W- that's the thing.
1: Like pretty much, that's
2: not. But I do wonder if I kind of knew in my in my gut that this was the person I was going to be with because. I don't know that I would have given myself that completely. But Mike is honestly, but he's also the first person I ever really dated as well. Mm. So, um, you know, so who's to say? If I dated someone else, it might have happened there too. I'm actually glad that it didn't. I'm actually glad that I say, and I'm putting in (laughs) quotes, saved myself for him. Mm. I don't think, you know, that is not what everybody should do, you know, and I was also raised in a different kind of culture and stuff. I am not raising my child in that. I am raising her to truly feel like she loves the person or that there is strong connection there, but there's no shame if this is not the person you don't end up with the rest of your life, whatever. Anyway, so... I'm trying to figure out what we started with. Okay, in the middle, in the <laughs> beginning. So that actually, it was so much better when we got married because then you could really the true passion happened because there wasn't this fear of oh gosh, what if there's a pregnancy that's on, that we that's unplanned right mm-hmm. now? You mm-hmm. know, um, what will that do for us? Because being in an uh, culture that we were in and still being ex- you know, heavily Southern Baptist, evangelical, you know, that would have been the worst thing to be uh, pregnant out of wedlock. Um, And so anyway, that took off that pressure. And there's a whole new gateway of passion that happens, you know, and just truly like experimenting. And I will say there is so like for the judgment or the, the insecurities I have about myself on a daily basis, they actually leave the bedroom. They're not in the bedroom when we're together because I know Mike does truly love me. He thinks I'm gorgeous. I'm beautiful. All the things he says to me. So I do, I am my passionate self with him. There have been times like after babies where you become really self-conscious. There's been times even since then, you know, that I'm, it'll be like a time where I'm like self-conscious about the way I look and, but I know that's not, that's not like he's not even aware of that. He's not even so. I try to
0: which all uh, you guys listening and wondering about sex lives and sexuality, and I've I've seen very common men trying to like control the relationship or being charged. If you focus on empowering your partner, you're just gonna have a lot better time. <laughs> it's gonna be <laughs> yeah. a better, just a better life, but also intimacy is a lot better.
2: Um. <laughs> yeah. Also, here's the other thing, like. How truthful should I be
0: on that? As truthful I mean, as you want. I don't get a vulnerability hangover generally.
2: When I was growing up, and this is something we've actually taught with our girls, because there is no shame in finding pleasure with yourself. Mm. There's no, like, that's happened while we've, what you know, seen our, when they were young as toddlers, you know.
0: Normal developmental stuff. Normal
2: development things. Our big things have been, don't bring shame to that. Yeah. And have reminded them. Feel free. Yeah. Just that's something for your private time in the bathroom or in your bedroom, because sometimes that will happen right there watching a movie, you know, or it's happened <laughs> in the past <laughs> on the couch, Yeah, you know, while they're into a movie. And so when they were younger, it would be a reminder of, okay, that's all right. But if you really want to continue that, let's, let's, why don't you go on to your bedroom to do that? You know, that's something that we just don't want to do out publicly right. or, or, with, or in front of everyone. Um, so we've made sure not to have any shame with that because growing up for me, I did not even know how to do that. Mm -hmm. I did not know. I did not know. How do I pleasure myself? How do I have an orgasm? I did not know how to masturbate. The word is masturbate. I just was saying masturbate. (laughs) You cut me off while I'm saying it. Anyway, I did not know how to masturbate. Yeah. I was not taught that. I love my mother dearly, but I think even, I think she didn't know how to talk about that with me. So I don't fault her for that. in the bean. I don't fault her for that at all. (laughs) But because of that, in our married life, you know, it has been like something to discover how to Mm -hmm. do that. And it's hard to discover that when you don't know your own body. Yep. But you know that things feel good. So I've always been like, yes, let's go, you know, that kind of thing. It feels good. But it was it took a while for me to actually discover myself and discover, um, you know, what felt good, where when was the actual what is an actual orgasm versus what is feeling good, you Mm -hmm. know, not even knowing at first what's the difference, Mm -hmm. because I still love the act. Mm -hmm. It's and even if i don't actually have an orgasm i'm still enjoying the act i love it it's a matter of us both finding mutual enjoyment i have enjoyment because even if he's having an orgasm i'm you know i'm fulfilled too so it wasn't until later you know and i'm about to just go ahead and say what my little midlife thing was in my (laughs) 30s my mid-30s i hope
1: your midlife
2: wasn't in your 30s? I feel like I'm still, I'm living my best life right now, right? But but the crisis part or the discovering myself, I feel like I did not truly discover myself until my 30s, even Mm. after children. After children? Wouldn't you say it's after children? It's after children. (sighs) I even hate to admit that, but I will admit that because everything else is on the table. We're this is what we're going with now. Yeah. This is the topic. If this you're is comfortable, i <laughs> good, good gravy. Um, so,
0: maybe a lot of people relate to this. All
2: your listeners are about to like going to be what? I was yes one of those thirty old thirty year old stay at home moms who became infatuated with a young adult novel series entitled Twilight. <laughs> I love you. I no longer have the books, but that's only because we couldn't bring everything in the move. <laughs> and I finally was like, I've moved on with my life. <laughs> but I was one of those moms. And I say moms because I was not the only one out there where there are a lot of 30-year-olds and 40-year-old women who something, something about this book series did it for them. Mm-hmm. And all I that, think it was
0: tasty, tasty shame.
2: I think it was this. <laughs> it was weird. Like, I honestly, you know,
0: if only a fundamentalist could write Twilight.
2: Yeah. Is uh, she?
0: Muslim. Uh, Mormon, uh, Mormon. 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 <laughs> Mormon. Not, Muslim. Not a Muslim fundamentalist. Same difference. Mormon. Mormon. Muslim,
2: Mormon, Muslim, okay. Mormon and Baptist. Yeah, same yeah. difference. Yes. Yeah. Now looking on it, like I was so hesitant for Madison to read it. And then she ended up reading it while we started reading it while we were out of town. And I couldn't stop her. Um, but even she thought it was like she read the whole thing, but just to have read it and she was like, what's the deal with this? You know, like the the protagonist and every there's so much I know this is a whole unpacking. Yes, there is abuse, yes, there is a like a, a, a saving yourself, the whole virgin thing. I understand that. I I do. I totally so all of you people out there who are thinking, What in the world was she reading? I Get you, I understand you, but in that moment in my life, in that time, it like awakened something in me. Wow, it's weird. It awakened like a
0: kink. The word a is kink. kink.
2: Yes, which is weird because it really wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't kink, and I don't. It's not like it's not like I was so into the vampire. Thing. <laughs> Although I do have. Oh dear Lord! I'm here it's to this. I have a sparkly dildo.
0: <laughs> His name is Edward.
1: His name was Edward. Oh my gosh! Yes, you <sighs> do. Oh, it's out there.
2: It's anyway, out there. our friends are gonna die laughing if uh, they hear yeah. this. Anyway, um, so yes, so it awakened like Edward's not
0: around though anymore, right? No. Edward finally well get his last the, act of service. He is
2: there in case it just doesn't. In case I need.
0: Wait, it, Edward made it across the country. He
2: made it across. I couldn't give it up. Wow, it was like the one and only.
0: Okay, but oh I God. do worry
2: about how how long does the the silicone whatever that stuff is on the how long does that last and the sparklies I'm worried they're going to start falling off. Yeah, you don't and like, want microplastics. I don't want don't that, want in. Don't want uh, that no, in my no. body. No. So anyway, Edward,
1: getting kind of old.
2: <sighs> so there was a like a discovery. Like I have always been, I think passionate and when we're yes. together it sounds like but it. i think mike would even say that during that time there was an extra oomph okay you know like there kink. was a kink kink, kink. that's <laughs> or that was when it was like okay what do you want to try mm-hmm. you know kind of thing because mm-hmm. i was like whatever makes you happy i'm happy let's whatever you know <laughs> so um Yeah, so I was, like, very much into, like, I guess word porn at that point because it was, like, Twilight then led to this little thing. And I know you listeners are out there, fanfiction.net. And you know who you are, because it is out there. And there's so much fan fiction. There's fan fiction for Twilight. There's fan fiction for Harry Potter. There's fan fiction for all your favorite series of books, movies, whatever. Please, and I have, the Please
0: <laughs> not the Liturgist Podcast. Just Please, say, not the Liturgist
1: there's Podcast. Please, not the Liturgist Podcast. Oh, my gosh. Fiction, I've never even looked that up. There's fan fiction for Rhett and Link. Yes, yes there's <laughs> fan fiction for Rhett and Link.
0: <laughs> oh.
2: <laughs> so... I, there's all kinds of fan fiction. I have read all the top ones. Okay.
1: Is Fifty Shades of Grey?
2: It started as a fan fiction. I, however, had not read that. And I will be honest. I started that series and I didn't even make it through the full first book. And I don't know. I think at that point I was done with whatever I needed as my, you know, I don't know what you would have called this, like a sexual awakening or something. Um, Because... That was when I truly discovered myself too, Mm. and um, and how and I allowed myself to be open to experience everything. Whereas before, I think my body automatically didn't know what was happening, so my body was shut things shut stuff off. Mm -hmm. Um, But like like because we had introduced like you know toys into the bedroom and stuff like that, but it wasn't until Reading, reading something that kind of spurred me on to like get that amazing O.
1: Amazing. Yeah. I'm. That's so, so interesting. And you were in your thirties. In my thirties. Okay. So I want to know. And you had already had two two children, kids, right? So, because I don't know, I'm I'm in my thirties, but I don't have kids. Um, and but I have read things that say that like women's sexual peak is in their thirties. Is that real or is that made up? Might
0: be the '40s, as far as I can tell.
1: Oh,
2: oh, I'm here for it. Rockin' '43.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my
1: word! Um, but what about you in science? Tell me about. Is that what it? What do you know about? Like wh- how? It's not
0: biological. Oh, really? No, it's it's the slow subversion of patriarchy through personal oh. narrative. So if you look scientifically. Um, People, men and women, start reporting that their greatest levels of sexual satisfaction are in their 50s or 60s. Yeah. Because a couple things happen. One, women are just like, guess what, society? I really don't give a fuck what you think anymore. Yeah. So I'm just who I am. I can pleasure myself. I can pleasure someone else. I don't care what the social narrative is. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, um, when it's hot and heavy and we're in our 20s, Oh, my God, my only thought is don't orgasm yet, don't orgasm yet, don't (laughs) orgasm yet. Like as you get older, the like pressing obsession with sex goes away. The need to reach a climax as soon as possible goes away. And you start being fine just being – just touching and being touched, just being present with each other. And so as that like continues, you reach a point where women are letting go of social taboo and men – contrary to like having to fight an orgasm have to fight to have an orgasm-huh and that I means sex becomes a prolonged period of mutual touching of trust of ebb and flow not simply a single movement towards crescendo um, and I think that's what's at play so you know from, from my perspective um you know there's certainly a feeling of like can I keep up with uh, Jenny a lot but Um, I, I, I said once, uh, in a horribly inappropriate parallel that's objectifying, but truthful that sometimes I feel like, um, like a 70 year old man trying to drive a race car. (laughs) Like there's just a lot more horsepower here than I can handle. And I really just want to gently make it through the neighborhood. Right. Uh, I'm
1: winking and nodding at you, Jenny. But
0: there's this like, um, But there's this this beauty to choosing to engage in intimacy instead of having to to fulfill an irrepressible biological urge. Mm. So I think that's really interesting in relationships. You talk about like how do you make it work for 20 years. You go with the changing in life rhythms that comes with the aging of your bodies. You don't fight them. You don't try to make today what yesterday was. You try to make today what today is and should be and be open to how tomorrow may be different. Mm. And um, for women, that looks like cast, slowly casting off the sexual bonds of patriarchy. And for men, that, learn, that becomes like, like not identifying primarily with erectile function as a measure of your sexuality. You know, like I think like how so we have this cottage industry not cottage the huge industry in America of like um, erectile dysfunction pills Why do we treat? responsive arousal as a dysfunction why don't we treat it as a different paradigm for intimacy and I you know, I don't I don't actually necessarily suffer from erectile dysfunction, but if I did I don't know that my first solution would be like, well, I need another solution to, to have an orgasm quickly. I think instead it would just be like, well, let's just see where this goes. Mm-hmm. Let's see what other kinds of pleasure and intimacy can come. Like the least interesting part about sex, for me anymore, is the orgasm. Um, and much more interesting is the, the, the shared space, the intimacy, the vulnerability. Those are more memorable moments for me.
2: Mm. And I will say, as a partner, you know, a lot of men, there are men who they find it like, it's like it wounds their ego or whatever. If you have to introduce toys or what have you into your boudoir, whatever. Mm -hmm, mm
1: -hmm. Um,
2: Mike has always been like, I'll go you buy know, the batteries. Yeah. <laughs> He's always been the one that I'm Amazon
1: like, now. I'm like
2: that sounds interesting. Okay, I'll order it. You know, that's what he, you know, he'll order it. He'll, you know, cuz he wants me to have just as much pleasure or just get there just as much as he does. Um if not more so, you know. Um and he doesn't take it as a personal affront if that doesn't happen in our
0: you're on a couple, multi-decadal you know. journey of destigmatizing sexuality and sometimes you just need more horsepower to have the biology push through the sociology that doesn't bother me at all the fact that i can't flick my tongue a thousand times a minute like that you know what i mean like that's that? just <laughs> yeah so if I, there's I, like something that same. can do that yeah. and great let's whatever it takes for cuz my 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 Climax, my penultimate enjoyment is pretty much assured. Yeah. Um, but you know, like the, the 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 shitty thing about patriarchy is if your if your married relationship is built around your wife servicing you, and that being primacy, the marketer in me says the most valuable customer is the repeat customer, right? <laughs> so <laughs> it's actually to my advantage to make sure. That like you think this is really fun and you'd like to do it again, as opposed to like, well, I've got to go do my wifely duties. Like what an uninteresting, unarousing phenomenon to to have obligatory intercourse. Oh, I'd rather eat a pizza.
1: (laughs) Same. Same. So who initiates or does it change? And have you ever had seasons of your marriage that were lesser active in sex, um, whether because of pregnancy or Mm -hmm. kids or having little toddlers or, I mean, I'm just thinking, I'm thinking about some of the books that I've read that have talked about actual stats of like Mm -hmm. the numbers of of couples that are in sexless marriages. And that's like, Couples that have sex less than ten to fifteen times a year, they're considered sexless. Which I'm like, hey, that's like ten to fifteen times. That's actually ten great. to fifteen.
0: Is, I don't. That's a pretty low criteria for sexless.
1: I mean, that's rough. I don't know, but but I mean, when it comes to that, I think there are so many. There are so many other elements that play into life when you're trying to be with someone and raise a family with someone and have a healthy, just you know, emotional mm-hmm. connection with someone. And um, so what does it look like to be open about stuff like that and to communicate through it? And what does it look like to evolve as people in different seasons of life and have that part of your life stay alive? I think definitely
2: kids, like when they come, when you're... when
0: You're just trying to survive. Right. <laughs> you're
2: just trying to, you <laughs> yeah. know, pregnancy, because when you're pregnant women still have like in fact they can have really uh times during that pregnancy of very being very like turned on very mm-hmm. ready mm-hmm. to ready to go you mm-hmm. know um but then that there becomes a period especially there in that last trimester trimester where it's so uncomfortable that you know there you're trying you're you're doing it so that because you know it's going to there's going to be a dry spell coming you know Um, And then for a woman, especially during, um, I know for me, I had vaginal births, but I'm sure even for cesareans, you know, for, you know, during birth, your body changes so much. Um, And if there's any complications from birth and everything, you know, they say, wait six weeks. Well, (laughs) It can be longer than that, especially if there is parts that are healing still because you don't want pain. And especially like if your partner is in tune with you, your partner doesn't want pain because if they if he senses or she senses that you're in pain, then that totally kills the mood. You know, then it's done. Um, so, yeah, there's definite dry spells when a baby – when you have a newborn baby at home, you're just trying – every moment that you can sleep, you're sleeping. You know, sex definitely takes a back burner there, and there's nothing wrong with that, uh-huh. you know.
0: I forgot um, what sex was and didn't care. All right.
1: <laughs> <You> know, <because laughs> I'm alive. That's all that matters. Yeah,
2: you're just – you're trying – especially, you know, every baby is different, and especially if you have one that's having – you know, you're having a hard time with feeding whatever or sleeping – that creates its own problems. So you're just you're so focused on that, sex is just kind of it's back there. I think um, you know. Then there's a period of time when yes, they're toddlers, and so you're. Then it becomes like it's quick. Let's do it while we can because they're they're busy. You know, or yeah. they're they're asleep. They're taking a nap. You know, um, and then there also becomes thing. Oh, we haven't done it in such and such a period of time. We need to get one in. You know, because you don't want to be the couple that. Oh no. A month has gone past or you know whatever in whatever time frame it is and you're like oh my gosh we haven't done it. Um, Mike has no concept of time um, so a lot of times Literally not. yeah. so a lot of times it was me that would know it's been a while you know or we need to you know make an attempt to have some time together because what happens like as you also get older your libidos change and I do think like, maybe men, it's not as, you know, it depends on the man, though, you know. But maybe for men, it can be not as intense as it was when they were maybe in their 20s or mm-hmm. whatever. But for a woman, like, her libido can pick up, you know, which is what happened to me, mm-hmm. um, I think. Although I think I've always had a very good libido. Let's just say that. Um,
0: I certainly.
2: Hi. Um, but it's like, then you have to, when there when there's, like, dry spells you get so used to that dry spell. It's a matter of you really have to make the conscious effort. Okay. We have to initiate. There has to be some initiating. We can't do the whole thing. I'm just going to wait till he does, or I'm going to wait till she does whatever it may be. Um, You know, you have to be like, okay, it's been a while. We need to go ahead and put this on the calendar, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Um, So there's definitely times in your, in when you've been together for uh, some time, you know, that there's, your ups and downs, your dry spells, your really active spells, um, seasons of life when things are happening um, in your life, whether it be work and stress related and stuff, because all that matters and all that like you know you can't just let that go. There, the the excuse of "I'm really tired" that is a reasonable excuse, you know. I mean, if you're tired. You can't get into it. And Mm -hmm. so I think it's also, though, a matter of then it's okay to, like, set times on the calendar, you know. And I know there are people that do that. Like, there's people that, okay, we're going to, this is our night. You know, I think there's nothing wrong with that if you want to continue to keep that intimacy. Because it's so easy, I think, in marriages for that. if If it's not a focus, it can, you can lose that. And that's part of what can, I think lead to other issues in the marriage.
1: Yeah.
0: And I, I would say I couldn't help it. I had to Google it. Like there's many couples for whom ten to fifteen times a year would be like, oh, I wish it was ten to fifteen times a year. So the like uh, psychological criteria for a sexless marriage is less than twice per year. So that's a that's a that's a that's really, really uh, low sexual frequency. And like speaking of the libido thing, Uh, I thought for a while, the last couple of years, I had low libido because I didn't usually have a desire to initiate sex. Um, But when I would Google low libido, they would immediately start talking about the corresponding erectile dysfunction. I'm like, nope, that's not an issue. And it wasn't until I learned that there's actually a medical term for something, especially for men who are aging, called responsive libido, which means I don't really have a libido unless... A libido is requested, at which point I immediately and voraciously have a libido. And so, what we've learned is, if we get like on a kick, then I stay in a state of of, of libido and desire, like night after night after night. But if if we get out of that, that shoulder tapers, then I forget sex is a thing, mm-hmm. right? And so, we've had to like communication is important as you get older. She's had to learn to be like, hey, you know what would be great is if we had sex. I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's a thing people do. And I really enjoy it. Um, but it's like if you get caught up in your hangups and your social expectations to the point where you can't communicate, you won't just have a bad sex life. you have a bad relationship. Mm. Like it's all about just kind of setting aside all these societal expectations and working out what works with just these two people and that that changes year by year month by month and week to week because you change and if you if you get stuck in some static relationship model I think that's a big part of how relationships fail if she wouldn't have been able to accommodate me becoming an atheist or or me becoming a person with responsive sexuality then our marriage would have failed but growing together and kind of being just committed to each other um the dividends are terrific. I didn't have one sexual partner, and I don't shame people whose sexuality involves multiple partners over time. But in my personal experience, committing to one person over multiple decades has been far more emotionally fulfilling and physically rewarding than any of the societally driven sexual novelty that we're told is appealing, that was actually less appealing for me and led me to bad places emotionally, whereas this has been something that has not just added new human beings to the world, holy shit, that's amazing, Mm. but also um, grounded and centered me as a person.
1: Yeah, but where do I mean? Where do people learn about what is normal and what is healthy and what is even okay? I think you know, from everything from the the kind of deconstructing patriarchy to deconstructing you know um, evangelical or conservative upbringings to shame to the Me Too movement to like um, getting to know the different. different gender orientations and sexual orientations. Like there are so many things that I think our time in history is looking at Mm -hmm. that's so awesome and like so important and so amazing, but also can I think be very confusing and also very lonely for people who are in a process of like, well, hang on, where do I, where do I turn for, what, what, like, where do I actually get educated? Where do I actually learn if what I am is okay? Where do I learn if what I'm attracted to is okay or what's normal? Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, you know, when you googled what um, sexless marriages are, like two times is good. I mean, even things like that, there are so many people that would identify with that, and yet there's so much shame still attached to it that like. Where is a safe place to turn? I mean, so many times, I'll just speak for myself, when I've Googled things about sex, sex, anything sex related, the only results that come up are like Pornhub. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, and not that I'm against porn or Pornhub as a place to look for any answers, but I'm like, well why are they the only people talking about it? Like Mm -hmm. why is no one else saying, Hey, we need to talk about this or, Hey, here's where you can turn to learn about this thing. Or, um, Hey, like I'm also in that same boat as you in what you're experiencing. Like you said, you Googled with the, um, responsive. Mm -hmm. I don't know the word.
0: Responsive libido.
1: Thank you. (laughs) I forgot. Um, so, you know, you Googled that and learned about yourself, but like, why is that not a thing that our culture and society is ready to just embrace? Because we are all human beings that got here because of sex. And we all enjoy sex. Most of us, some of us enjoy sex. I'm making too many sweeping statements.
0: <laughs> it's easy to do.
1: I know. But you know what I'm saying. Well, anyway, and, I want to hear and, your answers.
0: And the excitement of like overthrowing sexual repression is good and necessary and can be alienating to people who are asexual or aromantic. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, if that's the thing about agency, when you express it, like, even in something that's healthy for you, it can be kind of hurtful to someone else. Mm. And I think we just have to be aware and sensitive of that. Yeah. Um, and then patient with people who are trying to be aware and sensitive of it. And just kick the shit out of people who aren't. So, <laughs> uh, no, Just kidding.
1: Make sure to vote, kids. Make
0: sure to vote. Uh, I have my sticker.
1: I put my sticker in my calendar, though.
0: Oh, nice! Yeah, That's, that makes more sense. I have it on my shirt. I, you know, I think it's telling of our society that if you Google gun storage tips or how to clean a gun, Google will never run out. But if you want to talk about sexuality, it's hard to find. Like that, that, that to me, just you just described America. We're more comfortable with implements of. Death than literally the biological hardware of the creation of life. Um, and that, that comes down to the kind of puritanical roots of this country. Uh, that's one of the reasons I'm so into feminism and womanism and those schools of scholarship because their output is sex positivity. So I am not queer. But the queer community has more resources to openly discuss sexuality than straight people, right? Because they've had to fight off a social narrative. Feminists and womanists have more sex positive literature because they're busy casting off a social narrative. So I lean towards historically marginalized voices in how I read about and discover sex and sexuality. Because their active resistance averts the taboo, and then the other thing I do because I'm a nerd is I lean into clinical biological language, so I can un- uncover um, medical literature that can be illuminating. But that's not, not everybody's cup of tea. That's why I have a job, is because I'm very comfortable reading into studies and research and then creating an accessible narrative out of that. But I understand for a lot of people that's tough. I don't know where those places are. Um, that are accessible and understandable to people across less marginalized spectrums of human identity. Um, because of the pervasive shame culture we have here. Like it's we're okay airing videos and movies on television, like while kids are out of school of people being gunned, literally gunned down, in um, action films while schools are being shot up. We're fine with that. But God forbid a woman's nipple appear on television. That would just end everything. So that I think that's the cycle that feeds that. And that means that embracing and becoming aware of your sexuality in a shame-free way is always an act of cultural resistance today.
1: Mm. I'm into that. I like being a bit rebellious.
0: <laughs> I wish I could do that.
1: <laughs> um, what about you? What? Do you, where do you look? T- where do you turn to for either answers, permission? Um, I mean, what? What do you? Where do healthy people? Where do healthy people learn? Literally, I need to know. I don't know that it's healthy. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's healthy for you?
2: I look at porn. I've seen porn cuz I'm a visual person. Mhm. So Wait, you're a
0: woman who has a visual yeah. sex drive?
2: What? And apparently like uh, like also what reading reading the the Twilight. Twilight. Apparently. Is,
1: there, is there kinky stuff in Twilight? Uh, I've never read it. Fan fiction
2: Twilight. Oh,
1: fan fiction. Okay. All
2: right. But Got there's it. so I don't know what it is about the twi- and I will definitely like for your readers, I definitely again I would in this in the age that I am right now, and it is definitely something I did not promote to my child. I do not want her to ever be in like an abusive relationship or in a or think she Twilight. needs a, is a man. Abusive? People have said that it's almost like an abusive relationship because of like there's like
0: he wants her so bad. He wants oh. it's about being, it's about his desire. She's attractive. He they even smell of her because he's a vampire.
1: Oh yeah, right. So yeah, like, got so it.
0: patriarchy. Fair I want to be desired. And
2: I do wonder if that's part of it. It's growing up in a patriarchal society. Um, I wonder if there was something that like it was a trigger or something in my mind or whatever. And I'm not the only one. There's self-objectification. There's, there's a reason why there were a lot of thirty-year-old, forty-year-old women, women having Twilight parties. Yes, I didn't know that. Yes, I had a new moon release party. Oh. So, yes, it, they, they, it, they existed.
0: I enjoyed what? the after party. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but, yes, that was a thing. So, right? So, it, like, did There was something. one attendee. Yeah, it did to something. Two, me and Edward. Oh. <laughs> oh, man. But
1: oh, man. But, you
2: know, like, so I realized, like, in order to kind of get to that place or out of my head in some ways because there's also you're dealing with shame in your head about things so it's and you start thinking so much about about it that you you can't let yourself go and just feel so sometimes like watching something helps you get to that place or whatever so porn now yes I understand in that of itself it's a whole nother thing of objectifying women men whatever um it's You know, that can be, and it, I wouldn't say that I have an addiction to it. So, you know, but I understand that it can become for people. Um,
0: Porn addictions are exceedingly rare. Porn compulsions are much more common.
2: Um, You know, I I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but I do think there are things like, depending on how you view things about how the, the porn industry is, it's it's awful for the people that are in it and mm-hmm. there's a reason that they're in it you know so and mike has done episodes about that on his podcast before uh so there is something like you know like if you're watching it are you partaking then of that industry are you like uh, uh Because you're, are you part of the supply and demand? Are you contributing to the things that are bad about that or whatever, Mm. or the negative things? So there's something like that, but there, but there's also the thing of, oh, it helps me get my kicks. So
1: live your best life. Yeah.
2: (laughs) So I don't really, I have a little bit of shame about it, but I'm obviously now saying it and talking about it. So there are people out there. I mean, Mike has said there's like the statistics now of women who watch porn or look at porn is increasingly higher than than what it was you know years ago or whatever so
0: if Mm. you include erotica women more a higher percentage of women view pornography than men now wow and they spend more minutes per week looking at porn than men do although i suppose part of that the minutes per week thing could have an alternate explanation
1: (laughs) could it could it could a lot of guys
0: like well i got my 90 seconds of porn i'm good to go right
1: right so um mike do you have do you have science um that to back up kind of the placement of porn in a healthy sex life or um or even just like thoughts on it Hmm. what's it like to be with a partner that thinks porn is
0: cool Gosh, I don't know that I uh, think about it a ton, honestly. Um, I'm just happy, like, whatever leads her towards greater self-acceptance and less shame about sexuality I view as healthy. I obviously have concerns about the economic system of pornography and the degree to which the consent is economically coerced of porn performers. Mm-hmm. But I also think that there's like, I guess I would call it ethically sourced porn
1: mm-hmm.
0: that is out there. Um and in terms of like what role it plays in the relationship, I'm not a big believer. Um I don't know. I just I've seen a lot of marriages fail that were premised on this idea that like being aware sexually of a person who's not your spouse is dangerous. And people like tabooize that to the point they become obsessed with it. And then they cheat and their marriage fails. I don't have any concern that Jenny's going to watch a male porn performer meet him personally, cheat on me, and our marriage will end. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So um, I think as long as if your goal is monogamy, if that's your shared goal, like open communication and a genuine openness to the other person's journey through their sexuality is helpful. Um, And I think, you know, scientifically, I do have concerns about um, a linkage between uh, pornography and something scientists call supernormal stimuli. The idea there being that um, in research, they found that If you make a a wooden baby chick with a bigger, brighter, redder mouth than real baby chicks, many birds will try to feed the wooden chick to the point the actual chicks die. Wow. Because it's a super normal stimulus. Or you put a wooden, bright blue egg in a robin's nest, she'll try to nest on that egg and the other eggs will freeze and die. So we have biological impetus to respond to these powerful signals and I'm concerned that both in terms of the Olympian-like performance of porn performers compared to what real people can do in their bedrooms, uh. <laughs> the amount of cosmetic enhancement, either through cosmetics or surgery, that the performers are under, and the amount of novelty. We have studies showing that both men and women have increased libido associated with sexual novelty can create expectations that... Uh, reality can't match yeah but i think if it's treated instead as uh something that's you're self-aware of so it's not you're not sneaking off 10 times a day to in- indulge this habit in secret that if it's in an, an openness that it's conversational and at the end of the day both parties are satisfied with the sexual relationship then i think it can certainly play a healthy role
1: Hmm um but i think it is it is that that question of like where do you learn if if it's not okay to talk to your parents about it which for most people it isn't or it wasn't at least with previous generations maybe now it's fine with cool parents like Mm -hmm. you guys um if it if it's not okay to look at porn which i'm not saying it's not i'm saying this is right but growing up no i
2: didn't look at it until Yeah. You know, in the last decade.
1: Yeah. And if there aren't really books about it and if it's very if it is basically a patriarchy that just says, like, you're here for my pleasure. um, That was me as a man talking. Mm -hmm. Um, Then where where do you turn? Where do you evolve? Where do you learn? And I have two really close people in my life last year that had affairs and both of them had uh also had like hidden porn addictions Mm -hmm. going on at the same time which you i think you referenced that it might not be a porn addiction it might be porn something else and you compulsion compulsion Mm -hmm. and you can you can uh you know define that if you want um and i would love to hear it but you know even that when their partners found out that they were having an affair and about the porn it was like they were these two things that were connected rather than it being Hey, want to do this thing together? Or hey, I like this thing. Or hey, let's learn about more more cool things that our bodies can do. Or let's be inspired by something. It was it was this very like secretive other life, um, and and this thing that was connected to that. So, what's porn compulsion?
0: Okay, so uh, an addiction has medically diagnostic criteria associated with it. One of which is a necessary escalation in the behavior to receive gratification, which yeah. is characteristic of an addiction network in the brain. So things have to get more and more extreme to get this. So imagine a heroin addict that take more and more of the drug over time. That's a sign of being an addict instead of just a user. I need more and more heroin. I need more extreme porn. I need a greater quantity of porn. Um, an addiction will interfere in daily living. If I'm worried about losing my job because I'm watching so much porn, that's a sign of addiction. Mm. And addiction is going to have a characteristic withdrawal. So if I stop watching porn, do I start to have physiological withdrawal symptoms? That does happen for people who are addicted to Mm -hmm. pornography. Mm -hmm. They can have literal cold or flu-like symptoms if they stop watching porn. A compulsion is basically a habit you don't control anymore. So you've trained your brain, I look at these images, I, I type this URL, I look at these images, I get a reward through masturbation and orgasm, and my brain has learned to kind of do this automatically. And uh, so if I'm not paying attention, holy shit, I'm watching porn and masturbating. I didn't even consciously make that decision. It's a loss of agency involved in compulsion. But if you interfere with a compulsion loop, you won't have withdrawal symptoms. Now, a compulsion can certainly interfere in relationships. A compulsion could even interfere jeopardize employment. If you get caught watching porn and masturbating in the men's room, that's going to threaten your employment. Mm-hmm. But that even then, that's not necessarily characteristic of addiction without escalation of the behavior and withdrawal. Right? So addiction and compulsion can both be harmful. Porn addictions and sex addictions are relatively uncommon compared to porn compulsions, which are extremely common in the age of 4K streaming web pornography. Right? Yeah. So, uh, supernormal stimulus delivered to your eyeballs through your smartphone or your computer instantly. That's a perfect recipe for compulsion. Plus, we don't have the social prohibition we had when pornography was something you bought in a plastic bag or rented at a video store where there was a shame component Mm -hmm. that was unhealthy but still inhibited the behavior and in most cases prevented a compulsion from forming. But Mm. the digital serving, that's fast. So the compulsions compulsions can be dangerous on their own. Um, but what intensifies them is the taboo and the shame and the fear of communication. So I think what you're seeing in relationships where we can't talk about it, that's when it becomes weaponized. And we learned, frankly, from my like little atheism story, like keeping that a secret, that just keeping secrets is not a healthy thing for us. So even if it's unpleasant or we don't agree about something... We still talk about it to have it out in the opening so it's not like a thing that festers and is shocking and erodes trust. Mm. Um, so I would much rather she tell me she's really into some she saw in porn that I'm like, whoa, not my bag of tea. But I'd rather that happen in the context of communication and relationship mm. than fester it in the darkness alone. Because once you feel like you have to hide from your partner, Well, now if I find someone who's open to this thing I couldn't share before, suddenly we have like this pathway, this on-ramp to someone else being like significant sexually in your life, which again, I don't think monogamy is some moral impetus, but I think if you've chosen monogamy, it's moral, necessary, and ethical to persist in that monogamy unless you notify your partner you're no longer interested in monogamy first um and 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 that if jenny was like you know what it's been fun but i really desire physical sexual novelty i'd rather know that upfront and proceed with an orderly relationship transition than like the affair divorce wreck your life cycle
1: yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i say that to jaden very often (laughs) <laughs> I'm always like, if you need to adjust things, if you're thinking about having an affair, can we talk about it? Because I would be way more open to talking about it than I would be to finding out right. something like some of the people in my life have
0: had right. happen to them. I also know I'm not normal in that you're not. I've recently had an autism diagnosis. And I understand now in the data, autistic people, if they're able to stay married... Which not, many are not able to, but those who are are very, very unlikely to engage in infidelity, because you can't, you can't imagine. You know what I mean? Like for me, like uh, so much of my sense of stability and wellness is based on her acceptance and approval. I was trying to explain it to a friend of mine. Like since I've learned that I have autism, it, it would be like cheating on the. Planet, you live like it's just like cheating on the atmosphere, it's just -hmm. a non sequitur. How would you even do that? Mm -hmm. So, I understand that not everybody has that experience.
1: Any, any,
2: well, just to say, and Mm -hmm. I never say, Hey, I saw this thing, let's try it. And, and, and that that situation never happens to where he's like, No, let's not, we, you know.
1: You know. You, just, you're both very open. I can tell. You're both open. I never? I don't think i that.
0: we'll talk after. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, it's fine. It's
2: fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. No, I think like for the most part, I mean we've Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe. Okay, yeah.
1: Maybe. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> Okay. So, well, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe the forty decade will change things. Yeah. We're <laughs> on the precipice of something. Very yeah, he's new.
2: about to hit forty. I so. know.
1: Anything could happen. It's yeah. true. You never know. It's true. I don't know what. It, what I don't know what. What Let's that was about. Let's go going shopping.
0: Up,
1: but... <laughs> oh my gosh! I love it.
2: We're in LA. No telling what kind exactly. of stores are around
1: here. Mm-hmm.
0: What? There's a song I like. Pleasure spiked with pain, pain.
1: and music is my airplane. Yeah,
0: I, I like, like pleasure happen. spiked with pleasure. Ah, oh. I got the, the, the pain spiking. Ah, that's fine. That's people's thing.
1: That's why you need to, Jenny. You need to watch Slut. Ever have you started it yet? No, oh, I haven't. It. So you said good. it's on what? Ch- on what? Vice. 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 We gotta yeah. have Vice. You need to watch Vice. it. You're gonna love it. It's you're gonna love it. There's an episode about people who have monster fetishes. Mm, interesting it's amazing it's amazing it's a really good show um any final words for people who've listened to this and been like oh my gosh it's so it's so refreshing to know that someone out there is willing to talk about sex someone's willing to talk about sex to their kids someone's willing to be open about this and not have it be this shameful weird taboo where do I turn where do I look where do I read where do I what do I do next um, how do I talk to my partner about this? Any any final like mantras, thoughts? No,
2: I don't know because I don't know because that's just I've never felt I have never felt shame with Mike. I don't think not like to the degree oh. of, huh?
0: Thank you. That's kind.
2: Well, but I don't think so. I I really haven't. Right like when we, so I've always felt free to talk to him a little, you know, I, I think if there were ever any times and they are paling it like in my mind, cause it wasn't like something that was a big thing, um, for the most part, like anything I've ever thought of or, um, when it comes to sex or, or what, I, what I've been, th- you know, yeah, I just have never felt shame in voicing that with him or saying that with him. And I think, in and he was pretty early on realized like the hangups I had about myself and was very, um, you know, he knew it. And so in the way that we were as a couple and the way that we were together um, and intimate, you know, he took very much in care that, you know, like it was always, it's always been a, a, you know, reminding me how beautiful I am and, and every there's never been, th- anyway, there's never just never been shame. So I felt like I have can say what I need to say, you know, uh, um, what I've thought about different things or things to try or, or what have you. Hmm.
1: That's anyway. amazing. I love that. And just, I mean, it's the fact that the beginning of this conversation, you were talking about your own your personal judgment of, of, others and of your, and mm-hmm. of yourself, but that the fact that within your relationship together and especially oh, yeah. with sex, which is such a vulnerable and intimate space that you've always felt so safe. Um, I mean, how, how do you, Mike, how are you the kind of partner that someone can talk to about anything and someone can, feel safe with, even if they have their own, you know, even for Jenny, that she has her own body stuff that she's working through, but you're a safe space for her. How do, how do you do that?
0: Oh, gosh. My mom taught me well. I was a teenage boy that could ask my mom sex questions, and I didn't feel stigmatized about it. Um, and another thing I learned from my mom was one of the most powerful tools in creating solid relationships is non-judgmental affirmation so if you approach other people non-judgmentally that helps you approach yourself non-judgmentally which is awfully pleasant and when you offer people affirmation when they tell you something they expect you to be shocked and you say fascinating or you say thank you it creates a platform where people's fear of rejection goes away, and that produces an opportunity for real intimacy and genuine conversation. And I don't just practice that in our marriage. Um, as I've gone through a journey of growth and transformation in my own life, by offering people non judgmental affirmation, I've found across friend groups and larger communities increasing tolerance to discuss things at the edge of or, or even beyond social taboo because people are hungry for that kind of openness. But if you treat it like some kind of voyeuristic adventure or if you treat it like it's uh, you know, shock jock radio and you say things for the sake of being shocking, that will clam people back up. But when you're just like, what are you about? What do you think about? What are you afraid to say? and you demonstrate with your words and your actions that you will always honor the sanctity of disclosure, including keeping people's new discoveries in confidence and letting them control when and how they speak about things publicly, you'll find that other people's boundaries expand along with your own. Mm.
1: I'm into it. Boom. <laughs> Stick around for part two of this discussion to hear a QA with Jenny and Mike McCarg on their social media practices. This episode of Out of Line was produced by me, Caroline. All sound editing, engineering, and original music composition by Jaden Lee. And a big thank you to Cat Footwear for working with Out of Line this season. Hit subscribe to get the next episode on your mobile device when it drops next week. And if you love what you heard, please whip out a review, will ya?